All right, guys. Let's lock it back in here as we get prepared for our lesson tonight. We are back in part two of our series through the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we began during our time together last week. And as you guys have heard now on several occasions, our prayer as adult leaders for this youth ministry, our prayer is that every single one of you will be able to share the gospel in four simple yet biblical steps by the time we get through the month of February. So um, our prayer, our goal, our purpose for doing this series is to equip you guys to talk about the entire gospel from, from start to finish in four simple yet biblical steps, whether it be you share the gospel with unbelievers that God places in your life or whether you talk about the gospel with believers by way of encouraging one another in the faith. So um, as we get started tonight, just by way of recap, I know it's been a few days since we last met and talked about the gospel. What do we mean by gospel? Just by way of recap, just to get us started tonight. What does the gospel mean? I think I heard several people say it, but yes, what does the gospel mean? The good news. That's exactly right. The gospel is the good news and the good news about what exactly? Or maybe about who exactly? Jesus, right? The good news, gospel, it's simply a reference to Jesus Christ, His, his sinless, perfect life, His death on the cross, His bodily resurrection from the dead, and His ascension into heaven. That, that is the, the epicenter of what we proclaim in the gospel. We are proclaiming that through faith in Jesus Christ, all that He was and all that He did, through faith in Jesus Christ, sinners like you and me, can be forgiven of our sins and spend eternity in God's kingdom. So fundamentally, the gospel is the good news about what Jesus Christ has done for believing sinners and how we benefit from the once and for all finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, during our time together last week, we, we started this, this idea of, of trying to, to ensure that we have a working knowledge of the gospel. We started with the idea, though, that in order to understand the good news, we must first understand what exactly? The bad news, right? And, and really, if you had to summarize it in, in one sentence, I don't think you could do it in a word, but if you could summarize it in one sentence, what did we discover last week? You had to summarize it in one sentence. Yes. God is holy, holy, right? And does anyone remember the verse that we associated with the holiness of God? What what passage we looked at with with that reality of God's holiness? Yes. Isaiah 6.3, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Now, why exactly... For us, particularly, in and of ourselves, why is it bad news that God is holy? It's obviously not a bad thing that God's holy in and of Himself, in and of who He is, but why would it be bad for us that God is holy? Yes. Because we're not. That's exactly right. So, so the bad news, in order to understand the good news, in order to understand what Jesus has done and, and how we can benefit from His work, we've got to understand why we need His work to begin with. We've got to understand the bad news. The bad news is that God is holy and we are not. God is set apart from creation 
He is, he is perfect in his moral character, and he's set apart in creation in the fact that he is the one true living God, the only creator of all things. So that's who God is. And then we touched on it last week. We, we discovered we're not holy. And tonight we're going to be looking at something that I hope really causes us to pause and and sit back and wrestle with for a little bit. That's, that's part of the reason that first song, it was, kind of, it was kind of somber, it was kind of slow, it was kind of rich, right? The language was very rich. And my reasoning for that is because tonight we're going to talk about a very weighty truth that Scripture teaches about us against the backdrop of the holiness of God. And what that is, what that topic is, is that we're not just unholy, but we're sinful. How many of you guys have heard the word sin used at some point in your life, whether it be at home, at church, Combination to, yeah. I, I think people who have never even been to church, and if you live in America by and large, even if you've never stepped foot in a church, you've probably heard the word sin or you've heard of the concept of sin at one point in your life. Now, just to make sure that we're on the same page with terminology and definitions and those sorts of things, you know, I'm big on wanting to ensure we're all on the same page. What does it mean for us to be sinful? When, when, we, when we speak of sin, when we speak of us being sinners, what are we, what are we really saying? Again, it's one of those things we've heard a lot about, we've, we've spoken a lot about it probably in our own lives, but let's make sure we're all on the same page about what it means. Imperfection. It's a very succinct, simple, straight to the point way of, of getting at what sin is. Sin is to miss the mark. Okay, that's, that's, at, at the end of the day, the final analysis, to commit sin is to be imperfect. God is holy. God is perfect. We are not. We're sinful. We're imperfect. And really, if you look at all of Scripture, we find that to commit sin is to violate God's law that He's written not just in His Word, but He's also written it on the conscience of all human beings. And if we could even get really down to the the base level of sin, you go to Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, Jesus is asked... What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, in a nutshell, says this. He says, you want to know what God requires? You want to know what the whole law can be summarized as? You need to love God perfectly, and you need to love your neighbor as yourself. So, really, when you and I sin, we are failing to do both of those things. At the most basic level, sin is a failure to love God and love neighbor perfectly. If we don't love God perfectly, if we don't love neighbor perfectly, we're going to fall short of God's standard. We're going to commit sin. We're going to have imperfection in our life. Now, to help us really grasp this, I, I thought of, of how we could go about looking at Scripture and what would really make this clear for us. There's a lot of passages that touch on sin, but one that's especially clear, and some of you may have memorized it in Awana, or if you've done the Romans road to salvation, you are probably somewhat familiar with these verses as well. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, is a, it's just a powerful passage that speaks of man being sinful. And as we turn to that scripture, can I get a volunteer to read it out loud for us? Somebody who has not read in previous weeks. It's only three verses. 10, 11, and 12, it's in your handouts. She's read, she's read every week. I've got to give somebody a different chance. I appreciate the, the eagerness. You have two? Okay. Someone who's not read. There you go. Perfect. Thank you so much.
Very good. Thank you so much for reading. I know it can be scary and intimidating to read out loud in front of your peers and in front of an audience, so I really, really appreciate that. Um, Here's what's cool about this passage, okay? In verse 10, 11, and 12 of Romans 3, Paul is actually quoting from two psalms. So he's quoting from the Old Testament, these verses. He's quoting from verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 14 and Psalm 53. And the reason why he's doing that is he wants his readers and he wants us, by extension, to know... Hey, hey, sin, it's not just a New Testament thing. It also has its roots in the Old Testament. So from cover to cover, Old Testament, New Testament, the Bible speaks of human beings in this light. And as we just read together from that passage, every single person, except for Jesus, who's ever walked this earth, has stood before God and will stand before God as a sinner. Look at what we just read together in that passage from Romans 3. No person is regarded as righteous before God in and of themselves. So there's there's no place for self-righteousness before God. No one can understand God's truth in and of themselves. We We have complete dependence upon God illuminating the truth of His Word so that we can understand it. And we also saw from that text that no one is seeking after God in and of themselves. So so given this biblical perspective on man's sinfulness that we just saw in this passage, when we view our our natural state before our Creator who is holy, 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 where does that leave us? If I could put it in a question for us to consider tonight, is there any way that we can solve this problem through our own means, through our own efforts? If God is holy, 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 if He's perfect in all of His character... And if we're not, and we're not even seeking after God, according to this passage from Paul, we can't understand His truth in and of ourselves. We're not righteous before God in and of ourselves. Can we fix this problem? Let's just do a quick show of hands. How many of you guys, by show of hands, think that we can fix our sin problem by our own efforts? You guys all passed. Nobody raised their hand. Um, My friends, if left to ourselves, sinful human beings like you and me, we are completely without hope when standing before a God who is holy, holy, holy. We have no hope of fixing our problem before God. My friends, if we're not perfectly righteous before a morally perfect being, if we don't understand the truth of God's Word in and of ourselves, if we're not even seeking after God on our own accord, then my friends, that completely obliviates any hope for us to be saved through our own good works, through our own doing. We are in desperate need before God because we're sinful. It's a testimony of the Old and the New Testaments. That's what Paul's getting at here, Romans 3, 10 through 12. Now, To make matters even more concerning for us, we're not just sinful, but there's consequences for our sin, right? It's bad enough that we don't live up to the perfect expectation that God holds us accountable to meet, but there's also a consequence for our failure to do so. And as we find in Scripture, the consequence is eternal punishment in hell. As you'll see in your handout, 2 Thessalonians Chapter 1, verses 7-10 through 10, lays out a, a very graphic and descriptive illustration of what hell is like. And I've edited it lightly for readability just because it, it flows a little bit weird if you, if you pick up Paul's thought in the middle of his, uh, his sentence there in, in verse 7. So you'll notice it's a little bit edited, but it's, 
it's faithful to the intent of the ESV. Can I get a volunteer to read the excerpt in your handout? Very good. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much for reading. Um, so, so again, why, why the music choice that we had for tonight? Why, um, why cover a verse like this? Why to even talk about a subject that's so unpopular such as this in our day? It's, it's because, my friends, God has clearly revealed in His Word that He is holy, we're not holy, and that in and of ourselves we have no hope. We not only fail every single day, to live up to the standard God calls us to in His Word, but there is literally eternal consequences for our failure to do so. I mean, look at verse 9. It, it says that, that unbelievers are going to suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. That should cause the hair on the back of our neck to stand up. And I know some of you have more hair than others and on the back of your neck, but... Um, Seriously, I mean, I'm trying to, trying to make a little bit light of a, of a very weighty situation here, right? I mean, th- this should grip our souls. So, my friends, as we consider the gospel, as we think through how we can go about sharing the gospel with our unbelieving friends and family members, and, and as we think about, if you're in Christ tonight, if you're a believer tonight, as we think about what Jesus has accomplished through the gospel, and the benefits that we receive, the reality of God's holiness, the reality of our sinfulness, it should cause us to praise God that He didn't leave us to ourselves. God was under no obligation to save us from our sin and from His wrath, but He did so because He's a good and gracious and merciful God. And as we're going to see, Lord willing, during our time next week, and as you guys have heard Pastor Rob preach every single Sunday, if you've been here through his series on Colossians, even before that, when we understand the bad news about God's holiness and our sinfulness, we magnify and we praise God for the good news of Christ. Since Jesus lived the perfect life that we owe to God in our place, and since Jesus bore the punishment that we deserve for our sins at the cross, We are able to receive forgiveness for our sins committed against God, and we are welcomed into God's eternal heavenly family as an adopted son or daughter. All we need to do, as we're going to see next week and in two weeks as we finish off this four-part series on the gospel, all we need to do to have absolute assurance that our sins are forgiven, that that we have a citizenship in heaven, all we need to do is believe. All we need to do is believe that Jesus paid it all. He lived in our place. He died in our place. He was resurrected in our place. And the Bible says right now He intercedes on our behalf at the Father's right hand. My question tonight, my my plea tonight, is do you believe that? Seriously. Do business with the Lord right now in the quiet of your own soul. Do you right now know without a doubt... That if you died at this moment or Christ came back, you would be welcome 
into the holy, holy, holy God's kingdom. Not because you're good enough, you'll never be good enough. Not because you've earned it or deserved it, we can never do that in and of ourselves as we just learned from Paul. But because you've trusted in Christ, in Christ alone. If any of you have any questions about anything that I've talked about tonight or anything that we've discussed in this series, or if you're feeling conviction or you don't even know what you're feeling, but you know you need to talk to somebody, wherever you are tonight, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, do not leave here tonight with any unanswered questions. Don't leave here tonight without giving your adult leaders and your small groups the opportunity to minister to you because we care for your soul because this is very weighty stuff. This is stuff that a lot of churches don't even want to talk about today because it's offensive and it's unpopular, but it's true. We have to do business with our Creator. Otherwise, we perish in everlasting torment and hell. So with that in mind, as we, as we break out to our small group time, um, let's, take this, let's take this time seriously. Let's take our discussion seriously. Um, if you have, again, if you have any questions, don't... Listen, who cares if your friend doesn't think you're cool because you have a question or because you have a concern about something in your life? Don't leave here unless you know for a fact that you have assurance of your salvation. That would be my appeal to you tonight. Let's break out into small groups. I hope you have a great discussion. Hope the Lord will do a work in our midst.